Let's go. Like this. We recently explored the nature of reality itself. And we were ex- discovering an idea that reality, the word reality is much more sensible when used in reference to our, to our experience of a moment. What we describe as real is not necessarily the objective quantifiable components of an external environment like for example the amount of light there is in a room or the size, the dimensions or the temperature but what we describe as reality is is it cold or is it hot? The fact that it's 15 degrees, 20 degrees Celsius or that's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is how I experience this moment. And this moment, I'm going to be experiencing this room as big or small, as hot or cold, as intimate or dispersed. And all those experiences are a collaboration between a stimulus from the external environment and a processing of my world internally. And my internal processing gives a certain flavor which is specific to me in that moment to my experience of the world around me. And therefore, belief systems modify the way that events touch me as they occur around me. As an example, there's been an absolutely horrific tragedy in Turkey and Syria where thousands of people have lost their lives in what must be one of the most terrifying deaths imaginable where the very earth that you stand upon suddenly becomes unsteady there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide and when we start to process the the depth and the pain and the suffering that follows in the wake of such a gigantic tragedy it's, it's almost incomprehensible it's almost incomprehensible now, there'll be different ways of processing that experience when people hear, well, there's an earthquake in Turkey. For some people, if their belief system revolves around a random set of, um, they process things as random or as linked into nat- natu- um, natural probabilities, which to, level, to a certain level are, are predictable and, and sometimes a little bit unpredictable, the, the event in Turkey may fill them with incredible anxiety and they may start to think, well, you know, if an if, if a earthquake could happen up the road, well, maybe it could happen down the road as well. And they become extremely nervous, especially when we felt earth tremors here two, two, two nights. With the, I mean, there was basically two. The last earth tremor here was 4.4 on the Richter scale. So it was like, it was very, very scary. So there are people, if they're, if their primary focus is on self-preservation, the way they'll experience the tragedy of the earthquake is, it may happen to me as well, I'm scared, I'm anxious. Another person who's much more, say, um, developed in their awareness of the world around them, wouldn't think immediately about, oh, I'm scared, they'd think about, I'm broken by the tragedy of the the countless broken hearts and broken lives that that must have resulted as as these natural disasters occurred. Two people experiencing the same thing. But based on the belief system, they're going to have very different experiences, very different emotions, and then very different reactions. So ironically, reality is way more inside of me than outside of me. So what is illusion? Illusion is when 
there's a collective, there's a group of people that all acknowledge that there's something they can identify in the external environment. For example, we all acknowledge the fact that we're sitting in a room, that there's a bookshelf behind me, and that there are lights above us. And if someone would come in and construct something that none of us could perceive, that would be described as an illusion. For example, if I would start to discuss my good friend over here, the pink unicorn. And, um, oh my gosh, he's looking great today. And none of you can see him. So then I would be delusional or having an illusion that there's a pink unicorn over here. And that's because as a collective, we didn't, no one else is experiencing that. So illusions only occur when there could be an external corroboration of the experience. What about internal experiences? What about the experiences that I have inside of me? The emotional world that I inhabit. The intellectual world that I inhabit. The range of different thoughts, feelings and aspirations that course through the veins of my inner world. What about those? Well, there there's no room for illusion because there's no capacity for external corroboration. So my, own, my internal world is mine and mine alone. And its reality is defined by my perception and my perception alone. So what is real for me inside is always real. What's real for me outside requires collaboration from the events that occur in an external, measurable way. Uh, there may have been too many big words and too many convoluted sentences to make too little sense to too many people. <laughs> yes, like this. My thoughts, my feelings, everything that's inside of me is me. It's a reality. That's who I am. If I talk about something outside of me that you can also express your experience of, and the thing that I'm speaking about doesn't exist in a measurable quantity or quality, so then I'm having, I'm having an illusion. The external environment needs to have a certain agreement that we all agree, there's a bookshelf, there's lights. If I say that either there aren't lights or there's no bookshelf or there is a gigantic elephant standing behind me, I'm delusional. But what happens if I say in this moment, I'm overjoyed, I'm exhilarated. No one can say to me, that's not real. Because they don't know what's going on in my internal world. They don't know the factors. They don't know the operating mechanisms. They have no. And this brings us on to the next stage. The next stage that we have to explore is the world of silence and the world of solitude. Solitude and silence. Solitude and silence are the portals to gaining access to our own internal universe. I'm going to refer to the text. The text we can go at. This is a quote from... Uh, uh, an incredible work by Rav Volby called Ale Shur and he's going to write in poetic terms the idea of exploring our own internal reality it's on if you look at the top right hand corner the letters Kuf Ein Chet are written there and then there is a three triangular dots and we begin a reading beneath them so I want you to cast your eyes into the text if you find that you don't have a text in front of you so then find one that you can look into Shtika, shtika, silence, ubedidut, and solitude, kshurot zubazu, are inextricably connected. Hayodea lishtok, ohev et abedidut. The one that knows to remain silence, silent will also be in love with solitude. 
The one that doesn't know the art and craft of silence will flee from being alone with himself. Doesn't mean when we say that a person is a, a master of silence that he never speaks. Or or he will seek a ascetic lifestyle, isolated from human habitation. That's not our that's not our connotations of solitude. The nature of solitude in our spiritual system is not exclusive to other forms of social existence. This kind of uh, what we call extreme isolation doesn't go aligned to the path of the Torah of a spiritual system. We're referring to a person that's socially functional. He's mixed in with the other creations. He's integrated. He's socially integrated. Adam Aliz, a man who's joyful, active, dynamic, in the marketplace of life. Davka Adam Zeh, this person who is socially integrated, he has no problem speaking to people. He gets along exceptionally well. He's got social intelligence. He picks up the cues. He knows what to do. He loves life and he loves engaging with others. This is the one we speak about when we refer to solitude and silence being a virtue and a portal, an access point of our deep inner universe. Davka Adam Zeh, this person should love those moments of solitude and silence and he should seek out times to self-isolate and explore the inner dimensions of who, who he is powerful words we're going to continue reading the text because it is very compelling Reb Chanina ben Chachinai Omer Reb Chanin Mechalchinai, great sage, says, this is a quote from Pirkavot, the ethics of the fathers. Haniur Balaila, a person who wakes up at night and he can't go back to sleep. Vahamahalech Bederech, and a person that's going on a beautiful walk in nature. Umefane libo levatala. And he turns his mind and his thoughts and his heart to matters of uselessness. It's as if he has lost his soul, he's lost his life. The person's walking alone, he's by himself. Or he's awake at night, and it's quiet, and there's no one around him. In those moments of quiet serenity, where do our minds go? Do they become caught up in a torrent of thoughts which leave very little impression and have very little depth? Or can those moments of solitude be used to mine the depths and the beauty of the treasures which lie deep inside the inner recesses of our souls? Rabbeinu Yonah 
gives an explanation. Because these times are very special times, that you find yourself alone and in solitude, you should use these moments to think about things which are deep, powerful, wanted, in front of Hashem Baruch Hu. An example of this would be exploring spiritual wisdom. Imagine if you use those times when you're quietly sitting by yourself and you can explore an idea, a powerful point, a piece of transformational, transcendent wisdom and you can sit there and dwell on it, meditate upon it, engage in it. Surely that would be a better use of that time than simply allowing it to dwindle away in repetitive thoughts which keep us locked into some inconsequential worry, memory, or delving into why my earphones aren't recharging properly. I have to get a new cord. Maybe the USB isn't working. Maybe we need another USB. Well, the truth is I had another USB and then lost that USB. And then, and then but, but maybe, these actually, these earphones, I wonder if I should get AirPods. My AirPods. AirPods could be better for me. But then I had a friend who had them and then, and the monkey mind comes in and the dog sniffing brain starts going to a thousand different places. And where are you? Well, I'll tell you where you're not. You're not with yourself. You've been led on a trail far, far away from anything which is relevant to you. You've escaped that magic moment and you're left a victim to the never-ending pursuit of your hungry desire to devour the nothingness of everythingness. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Gavi. Um, so, why do we have a dog brain or monkey brain um, if it can only lead to bad things? Surely there's some good that we can... First of all, first of all, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> secondly, 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 it always works. Great joke. Never gets old. Uh, <laughs> like this, like this. The reason why we have a monkey brain is because if we didn't have a monkey brain and we would be born in our buddhistic state of total serenity well, what will be the point? the whole point is the struggle the whole point is having a monkey mind and then slowly but surely negotiating with it trying to like sort out what those demons are doing to us and that process of self-emergence makes relevant our lives otherwise, well, you know you're just born so then you're just a robotic, instinctive, spiritual being just be an angel yes good okay, good Sam, you with me? Amazing. I'm going to keep on going in this text because it's just doing so well. It's doing so well. Because those moments when you're quiet and serene and you can actually explore something deep down, go deep, 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 powerfully emerging ideas. And the truth is, and this is something which people often misunderstand, they think that the process of the study of the wisdom of the Torah begins when you open the book and you read the text. But really... Once you become familiar with the method of the study and this knowledge, you start to realize that the real re- learning discover, the, uh, discovery, the wisdom, the wisdom is way after you close a book. The ideas have to be implanted in your mind for you to be able to suck out from them the depth and the wealth. If you feel that the only time you can access the idea in the book is when you reread it, 
So then the book is on the page and not inside of you. And the wisdom remains isolated from the essence and the core of your being. The process of learning Torah begins when you close the book and you start to live with ideas. They start to enter into your thoughts. They start to inhabit your consciousness. And all of a sudden, this world, instead of becoming a page in front of you, it becomes its own universe. With its own flora and fauna. With its own alleyways. With its gigantic skyscrapers of understanding. And its lonely paths of bewilderment. It's only when, left alone by yourself, in a quiet moment of solitude, your curious mind starts to unravel the mysteries that you've imbibed through your study. And that's why Rabbi Yunus says, when in that moment it's so quiet and so pristine and you've got no work to do and he adds on this point and you cannot hear the voices of people yesterday in the afternoon program we meditated together as a group there are probably about 25 of us for approximately 40 minutes focusing on engaging in the exploration of our inner world and after the meditation, one of the participants came over to me and he said to me, I never realized how simply by opening up, opening up my eyes, I lost my world. It became too overwhelming, the onslaught of information from my visual sense to have any space left to process the subtle workings of my inner soul. So over here, the Rebbein says, even just simply hearing the voices can be a distraction that can interfere with this deep diving to the recesses of ourself. These moments where through circumstance you have solitude they actually are a litmus test to how deeply spiritual your life has become. Imagine this. Imagine you were going on a train. Back in the day, prior to electricity, it was a steam train, puff, puff, puffing through the Swiss mountains. And through at that time, an incredible feat of engineering, a tunnel had been constructed in the middle of a mountain. One kilometer deep and you go into the kilometer and in the middle of the tunnel it's pitch pitch black you cannot see the light on either side the engine dies and you're stuck and you're the only person in the train and there's no sound and there's no light and there's only you with yourself what happens next? If you don't do this, because you don't travel back in time, which can be complicated, uh, the next best option is a sensory deprivation tank. How about this? Those of you who know what a sensory deprivation tank is, uh, this will not be a surprise to you, but those of you who don't, it's a tank filled with water, which is set at body temperature, 
and has a saline solution which allows you to float. So you feel like you are suspended. You don't really have a sense of the water because it's set at the same temperature as your body. The casket that you're inside is completely soundproof and lightproof. So you essentially are suspended in space with nothing to hear, nothing to see, and all you can do is be. What happens then? What would happen then? So it's interesting the response that people have when asked this question. They say, would you go into that? Some people say, no, 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 oh, no, 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 ah! Say, why? Well, I'm scared you would meet there. No, there's no one else there. There's just you and the tank. Ah! But, but, but what, who are you scared you're going to meet? Well, I'll tell you. You're scared you're going to meet yourself. scared you're going to meet yourself and how far do we run from moments of self confrontation unable to deal with the discomfort of embracing the reality of our own beings When this quiet hour comes to you, and you fill it with contemplation and understanding, it's an indication that you have a deep and penetrating mind and a grasp of self. There are many that will flee from the sensory deprivation tank like one flees from fire. They have to face a strange person, a foreign person, someone they haven't met. And they don't want to meet him. They're scared. They want to run away from him as quickly as they can. Because at that moment, they are placed in front of themselves. And to themselves, they are far and foreign. And as you think to yourselves right now, what would I be like? Left in a place purely, purely alone. And all I could have is me. Badat mechapes a wise man will pursue these times of quiet meditation because he'll be able to feel and to become close to himself and to his world. Not only when a moment of solitude happens to occur, he'll receive it like a gift. He'll make a point of setting aside times for silent solitude and meditation in order to become 
familiar with his inner world. And on our spiritual journey together, and we're all at different stages of that journey, and we'll all have different responses to what I'm saying now today, but perhaps all of us can give it a little bit of thought. For some of us, some of us maybe spending an hour by ourselves in a room with nothing to do, our phones far, far away, and only the quiet and the beating of our heart to pulsate within, it may be terrifying. And maybe we should start off with five minutes, two minutes. For others, it will sound like a tintillating invitation that they will rush to do. So wherever you are on that journey, remember, life is made up of imperfect action. Act. Don't allow these words to simply have been a cool thing to have done at the tail end of a Thursday morning. Because these things could be the very tools that act as the vehicles of self-transformation. Don't neglect them. Embrace them. And between now and Sunday, take an opportunity to find a very quiet time, at least once, preferably multiple times, and just be with whoever you are, sitting there, being, just being. And see what thoughts come up for you, and what feelings come up for you, and how you feel in your own presence. Are you comfortable? Are you excited? Or are you foreign and strange? Do you feel uneasy or do you feel really relaxed? Time by yourself. A gift like no other.